Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Villander. This is Mary Carrillo. I'm Sandra Winka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to the Tennis Podcast. Well, I don't know about you, listeners, but I am exhausted after day 10 of Roland Garros 2021. Not too exhausted to do some rudimentary maths, though. Thank you very much. Uh, Day 10 of Roland Garros was a little bit bizarre in places. It entertained massively, but not quite in the places that I was expecting it to entertain as thrillingly as it did, which is to say that Medvedev versus Tsitsipas disappointed on the aggro front, but other matches made up for it. Not on the aggro front at all. I am, I've been, I've been shortchanged massively, and and nothing can possibly fully make up for that. But <laughs> due to other events occurring, it was a good day nonetheless. Is that cryptic enough for everybody that doesn't know what happened exactly today at Roland Garros? There were basically two brilliant women's quarterfinals, one dud of a men's quarterfinal and one decent men's quarterfinal, but that I had such high expectations for, I feel robbed by. Am I being unreasonable? (laughs) In normal circumstances, with normal people, yes, you are being unfair. But, I mean, I know how much that match meant to you on paper, so I understand it. Um, I mean, I actually really enjoyed it. I just feel like it had so much more to give, but it didn't quite get there. Shall we get into the lack of aggro straight away? (laughs) Because... Yes, please. I mean, I've thought for a while that those two have rode back from their bullshit Russian aggro of Miami a few years ago. And this was, I think, the greatest evidence yet because there were opportunities, as David said, for there to be aggro. And Sitsipas didn't take the bait. And I'm just not sure we're going to see that much aggro from them going forward. And actually... Oh, we are. Oh, well, we are. actually, Medvedev has just been in his press conference and said, I don't think we're going to have that many more fights because... Yeah, nonsense. Because actually, he framed it quite interestingly. He said, I would like to. I think it would be great. I think it's a pity that we don't. It would be more fun if we did. 
But he actually spoke he about is a, a hero of our times. <laughs> he actually spoke about how men's tennis in the big three era has become gentlemanly. And he is worried that if there's too much aggro, that will be frowned upon and people won't like it. I'm here to tell him that is not the case. And we are here <laughs> for the aggro, Daniil Medvedev. But it's interesting that he's thinking like that. Brilliant. Yeah, he was he was really trying to start something tonight, and I and I applaud him and thank him for that. <laughs> um, and Sitsipas wasn't wasn't having any of it. It was like he didn't even notice, but he did notice, didn't he? He was just trying to be a grown up. <laughs> there, were, there were a couple of moments when he nearly turned when uh, Medvedev had a go about something, and 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 I, I saw this eye roll from Sitsipas and I thought oh well, here we go he's getting him wound up here but the thing is let's not forget that the aggro that happened the one that we all remember happened when Sitsipas lost and the difference is he he was in charge of this and he was mm. he was he, there was no need for him to get upset he didn't get upset because he was playing brilliantly and there were some moments for Medvedev that I thought well, he certainly should have had a set, at least a set. Um, but, yeah, Sitsipas felt confident on that surface. Obviously, he got off to a great start. That helps. But it's the surface. It's the, the game is perfectly suited to it. Yeah, I agree. Just a stunning tennis performance from Sitsipas. You know, it, my interest in that is minimal. <laughs> Let's get back to the aggro. It struck me as uh, as the Sitsipas. Do you think his dad had a talk with him before that match and said, Stefanos, I don't care what he says or what he tries to drag you into. You be the bigger man. You mm, know, like, like as if he was, you know, popping the jumper and, and beret on his son before heading off to school. Don't. Don't respond to the bullies. You be you rise above. You be the bigger person. Well, that, that would be very sensible if he did, wouldn't <sighs> it? And and I, I mean personally, I I loved the tennis match, and I know I look. I enjoyed the fun and games as well, but I loved watching the rawness and the purity of the tennis that they produced. I thought Medvedev was disappointing at the start, but wow, he got back into it, and he he went from a I think a breakdown in the second set was in charge, had set points, should have taken them. It's really weird the way he took his foot off the gas when he was in front in that set. And again in the, the third set, he had his chances and he just seemed to go back into his shell when he was ahead in sets. Um, but I just love the rally construction of those two. I love the way they, they're they so different, but it makes for the most wonderful spectacle for me as just as somebody who loves watching tennis. I really enjoyed the match. As you said, it felt like more than the straight sets win. You know, it felt it felt like there was a real tussle, certainly in those last two sets. Um, I think we saw the way Clay helps Sitsipas in that matchup, the way he's able to get Medvedev moving. I think Jim Courier on Tennis Channel was apparently talking a lot about how Medvedev was struggling to move to his backhand side, Sitsipas pushing him off the court with those angles of his shots. Um, and yet Medvedev did what 
Medvedev does best, which is a, a tactical shift mid-match. He completely changed his approach and started being so much more aggressive and using the drop shot. The backhand drop shot won him so many points today and he, he started coming forward, finishing points at the net. And it, as David said, it got him in a position to win that second set when he had the set points. I think one of them, there was a net cord, which Sitspas got a bit lucky with. And one of them, Medvedev, missed missed the second serve return, which was disappointing for sure. But, you know, ultimately I look at that match on clay and I just think Sitsipas is able to sustain what he does for longer on clay. And it's easier for him. It, it, the surface, it was a good day for people who would want surface variety in tennis because this was a totally different feel to when they played in Australia. The clay makes a massive difference when these two match up against each other. Mm, he did feel just completely in command throughout, didn't he? It was, it was such, not just on the <laughs> the reluctance to engage in aggro, but in every way tonight, it felt like such a mature performance from Stefano Tsitsipas. So often in the meetings between these two, Medvedev has made Tsitsipas look like a little boy, look look definitely his junior. Um, and I know that there is a couple of years age gap, but I, I felt like it was, the reverse was the case today. Sitsipas, so adult somehow and so in control. Um, and yeah, Medvedev, it was, it was the most exposed I've seen his movement mm. on this surface. I suddenly became aware that he was really uncomfortable sliding. Whereas earlier in the week, I'd, I'd had a couple of moments of, of, going, oh, Medvedev sliding. But they were in sort of completely different situations where he had lots of time to make up his mind what he wanted to do with the ball, sort of sliding on his own terms, like, oh, I've got a bit of time, I'll have a go at a bit of a slide here, rather than being dragged into really uncomfortable positions by Sitsipas, as he was so often today, and not just not being comfortable and light enough on his feet on this particular surface to to maximise um, his defensive skills, I suppose. Um, I did, there were, I mean, there were a few just gasp-inducing shots that Medvedev produced to contribute to the overall entertainment factor of the match. And I'm, I am continually stunned by how some of those shots that he hit were, when he's dragged up to the net by a, a sit-to-pass drop shot, those low backhands he hits I think they defy physics yeah because there's no spin on them at all and yet sometimes he hits them from below the net and they obviously traverse the net and land on the other side how does it happen Mm. I I don't know anybody else who does that I think Probably the closest to it is Djokovic, but it, he will often use his own hands in a in a feathering, slicey kind of way. Whereas, yeah, Medvedev just has a full swing at the thing, <laughs> <laughs> and he and he makes it so often. Um, no, he's he's really something. The funny thing is, the movement is is compromised in the normal rallying process, but when he's then dragged into the base into the net or has to rush back for a lob. Mm. He covers the ground so well. Mm. Yes. Are you thinking of the tweener lob that he hit, David, when he rushed yeah. back? I'll, 
I'll always be thinking about the tweener lob that he hit. Just Got to be one of the best I've ever seen in a big match. Unbelievable. And then he finished it off with a sort of no-holds-barred smash as well, which I thought was <laughs> tremendous. Um, we have to talk, don't we, about... I can't believe it's taken 11 minutes. Underarm ser- <laughs> serve and volley on match point. I mean, obviously, truly dreadful decision. Yeah, another beauty where the the camera can't quite keep up. <laughs> I really hope this doesn't set the underarm serve back many years. <laughs> I think it might set the underarm serve and volley back to mm. where it belongs. I've never seen that before. That, that was never a thing. He just invented that. Yeah. See, mm. I think I think that's where he fell down. I'm. <laughs> I think underarm serve match point. Fine. It still might not have panned out, but it wouldn't have looked silly. It was the charge to the net that looked. Truly absurd. <laughs> I mean, it, look, it looked like a tank. Afterwards. It looked like a tank, didn't it? I mean, it wasn't. Obviously, it was just yeah, a, f- a frivolous moment. But. I mean, I mean, he insists it was tactical, and he was looking to do it throughout the match. He was, and he saw that Sitsipas was. Thought, it's now or never. <laughs> <laughs> and he saw that Sitsipas was far back and thought, "I'm going to go for it." But interestingly, Sitsipas said, "I I saw him." stop and look like he was going to do something and I, com- and I completely read it and he was there so early and was able to hit a topspin backhand winner but yeah it looked like a sort of surrender didn't it but he insists it wasn't there was um just a wonderfully classic of the genre uncomfortable sit to pass interview on court after the match with Cedric Pierlean I mean those those interviews to absolutely nobody that are being translated <laughs> apparently for absolutely nobody are just enjoyable for absolutely nobody, Stefanos Sitsipas included, and probably Cedric Pierlene also. But it was it was it was excruciating, wasn't it? Mm, it? It was. And actually the funny thing is I thought as well on on match point once Sitsipas had hit his winner, the glee in his face and and because it was so kind of raw in its joy in an empty stadium when he's turning around to just a few people and he's roaring at the top of his lungs and he's so happy and it all felt felt even that felt a bit awkward to me you know because Medvedev's having to wait for him and you know sort of stomping forward in a bit of a sulk and then goes around the net and and then the interview and there was a bit of me that just thought oh just get it all over with for god's sake this is this is excruciating but well, Sitsipas did get it all over with. He ended the interview for Cedric Pierlene, didn't he? He mm. said, and finally, um, yes, I want to rest or something. Bye. Good night, Perry. <laughs> Very, Very subtle hinting there, Stefanos. Well done. So Sitsipas through to the semifinals where he will face Alexander Zverev because Zverev beat a, a physically depleted Alejandro Davidovich Fakina today also in straight sets but a completely different straight sets match not to say that there weren't glimpses of this being competitive there absolutely were but for me I think it's as simple as Davidovich Fakina had to win the first set yeah and he didn't and then it was over I read that he couldn't put his socks on after he'd beaten Del Bonis oh he was that physically oh. hurting so 
that's my read on this match. He was just physically spent. I think he'd, he'd, he'd exerted so much energy through the first few rounds. And absolutely, he the only chance he had was winning this match in straight sets. And as soon as he lost that first set, all the energy just went out of him. And mm. it was it was a rout from that point and just not a contest, really. Of, Did- just a... Just a dud of a match, really. Did he still manage to put the right socks on? And by that, I mean the wrong socks. <laughs> yes, I should clarify. He, he he was struggling to put his odd socks on. And we still haven't got to the bottom of that. No, I, I didn't get time to ask him that. It was third on my list of very important questions. Underarm do, serve, pet adoption agency, odd socks. Do you think when he's sorting through his washing, at that stage, he pairs them up? in odd pairs to put them away in the drawer? Or do you mm-hmm. think he pairs them up correctly as matching pairs and then selects one from each of two pairs when when putting them on his feet in the morning? That would be a barnstormer of a press conference question, <laughs> wouldn't it? That would reignite the row about the pointlessness of press conferences. <laughs> I mean... I have an image of tennis players being really messy in their hotel rooms. Oh, Most so hang on. Them, you think there's just... I think it's just socks A repository everywhere. of socks in yeah. the corner. And he's just picking them. Do right. you know, I, I once went into... Uh, this is a terrible name drop. <laughs> uh, I once went into Mats Valanda's hotel room back in the ni- late 90s. Definitely how all uh, good stories start, I think. <laughs> and... Um, we walked in because it'd been a bit of a night in the bar, the Champions Tour, you know, and we went back into this, uh, uh, not just me and him, it was like loads of people. <laughs> we went in and I walked in and I went, oh no. And they were like, what? I said, he's been, somebody's broken in. <laughs> and I genuinely meant it. <laughs> and, but it was just his, and he's like, no, they haven't. <laughs> Is that really true? Yeah, yeah, and uh, and uh, and he had a hotel room overlooking a, a sort of uh, Doha Bay kind of you know like seaside location, and he and he put down a a golf ball and smashed this golf ball into the sea from his balcony. Very entertaining. The life you have led, David. <laughs> it's a long time ago. Goodness me, he's very tidy now. Um. <laughs> I could, we were on sock. We were on socks before we got to yeah, that. Um, you started it. Uh, Davidovich Fakina. It, it was part of Zverev's tactic, wasn't it, in the first set to exploit that fatigue in Davidovich Fakina and draw everything he had to give out of him um, in that first set to kind of put all the nails in the coffin. Um, and it looked it looked a bit weird. It didn't make for the most entertaining match, but ultimately. Ultimately, a successful tactic, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, it's it's quite interesting watching that that contest between those two because I do feel like Zverev looks at players like him and other younger players than him, and 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 also Nishikori yesterday, a certain type of player, and he thinks he can just have have his way against these people. They're not th- no threats. I'm just, I think he puts. Davidovich Fakina in a similar box to Nishikori, and there are certain similarities, I think, in their games. I felt, I do feel that ADF, uh, I'll just shorten him a bit, um, he, he's going to have his day. 
that guy because he's spectacular, isn't he? He's mm. a, he really goes for it. I didn't realize he was quite as explosive as he is. Um, but yeah, not, and that's two really heavy defeats to Zverev, who I think him and Sitsipas this time I think could be a belter of a match. Just quickly on Fakina, I think he needs to improve his serve. Uh, I, oh, really? I really think his serve might be the thing that holds him back. Look, I, I'm not expecting him to be a sort of mainstay of the top 10 or anything like that, but I think he can have runs, as you said, and have his day. But I think his serve is going to hold him back. It's, I mean, it just gets broken a lot. He, he doesn't win many free points of it, and Zverev just, just was all mm. over it. 5-2 in Tsitsipas's favour is the head-to-head with Zverev. Uh, Tsitsipas won, won their only meeting on clay. That was in Madrid in 2019. Zverev won their last meeting, which, of course, was this year in the Acapulco final. Um, what do we think? Zverev's going to be fresh, mm, which he... Which is big, isn't it? Which he never is when he gets to this stage of a slam. Um I mean, Sitsipas obviously the favourite, and nothing nothing's really changed um, for me since since that draw came out, and he was the favourite to reach the final from the bottom half. I mean that that absolutely remains the case, if not even more so, having seen how he's he's played over the course of five matches. But but from what we've seen of Zverev, does he have a realistic chance in that match? Do we think? I think he has a realistic chance, yes, but I think Sitsipas wins. I think in probably four sets, I think he's a he's a better, more well-rounded clay court player, especially. Um, Zverev's never beaten a top ten player at a slam. That's amazing. Which I didn't know that. is mind-boggling when you think how long he's been in the top ten, how many slams he's played, and I think in those big matches the the top players can separate themselves from him. And I mm. think I think Sitsipas will will do that. Zverev looks better to me, sorry, Catherine, than than I expected him to look at this stage. Um so I think it'll be close. But I still think Sitsipas has just got so much better this year mm. on clay. There's no chinks, are there? There's no lapses in concentration. He's just he's just business. Got everything. And did yeah. you notice the way he was using his slice today mm. to kind of just mm. blunt Medvedev early on? He was stopping him, pushing him around by just floating. Mm. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking. 
and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. Let's move on from that dud and talk about the two women's singles quarterfinals that we witnessed today, which were... Pure, spectacular joy. One was won by Tamara Zidanshek, 8-6 in the third over Paula Bedosa. And one was won by Anastasia Pavlyuchenkova, 9-7 in the third over Elena Rabatkina. Who, which would we like to talk about first? Is, was, which was the better match? Maybe I'll put you on the spot with that. Which of the two was the better match? I I think, I don't know what you two think, I think the first one, Bedosa and uh, Zidanecek, was the better match, I think. Um, but they were really similar. They were both epics. The, they were both having good spells of play on either side of the net. It was, but it was, the, it was what it meant to them all mm. that, that will stay with me. These are four players that have never been to a Grand Slam semi-final and to watch them living on their nerves the way they were in all different ways to, well, three real newcomers who, who just haven't been on this sort of stage before and then a player like Pavlichenkova who's got all that scar tissue and she's had all those occasions where she hasn't managed to break through the, the, the final barrier to a semi-final and here she was and she managed it, you know. I thought I thought it was a wonderful sporting afternoon in that way. It was, it was everything that sport is at, when it's high stakes, when it's the highest stakes, and it's their whole careers lead into this sort of moment. Um, and you know, I felt like I was holding my breath watching both of those matches. I didn't even follow Tamara Zidanecek, Zidanecek, sorry, on Twitter until today. You know, she she wasn't a she wasn't a prominent enough feature of of my tennis life that I felt like I needed to be abreast of uh, of everything she had to say for herself publicly. She's the one who handled it all the best, I mm. thought, out of the four. Yeah, yeah. I th- yeah, I found that match so intriguing because it was an extremely close contest. They were so evenly matched as players that it really did feel like it all came down to who handled that occasion and that pressure because everyone knew this was a massive opportunity. We knew it, fans knew it, and most importantly, they knew it and they felt it. And Badosa was incredibly honest in her press conference afterwards, just saying, I didn't know how to handle the nerves today and they inhibited my game and I think she loaded herself up with pressure and expectation which I think actually she'd been doing all tournament and had handled it very well 
but just on this occasion it it got the better of her look there were there were patches where she played wonderfully for sure but as an overall contest i i agree with david i think zidanechek was the more solid the more secure and there was a there was a game in the final set a six all game where she was serving zidanechek and she saved three break points with all of them with winners, two with forehand winners, one with a backhand winner, which did take a little bit of a lucky bounce. And she just said, I was fighting for my life in that game. And you could see it. It was it was great, great sport, great spectacle. And I didn't realise she had such a potent forehand. The, mm. the, 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 I think she hit more forehand winners than Badosa today, who's the one whose forehand has sort of stuck out all tournament. I was I was so impressed by Zidane Shek, the way she handled the occasion. She is the world number 86. She'd never been past the third round of a slam before this one. Uh, she uh, Some quotes from her after the match, this from the WTA Insider. Uh, last week she said, My career has always been progressing slowly and slowly like building a house. It was never like I was 16 years old and I just did one result. The follow-up question was, if your career was a house, what kind of house would it be? And Zidane Shek said, the Burj Khalifa, it's the highest building. <laughs> great answer. It's great, isn't it? By the way, I, I something that's just struck me is, I think one of the first tweets of the day from the wonderful Hannah on our account was observing the the Zidanecek support team backstage in the gym all messing about having a laugh before the match in this incredibly important tense occasion and yet they were keeping it light and I wonder whether that helped mm. because she she had she was okay Badosa put her under pressure but she handled it really well mm. and I, I was really struck at the end of the match with. Something that often strikes me about tennis, about just what a cruel sport it is. You know, just in, in, mm. in basic maths, 128 players in the draw, 127 of them end up losing. And Badosa has had a brilliant week, you know, the best run of her career in a slam. And she said, this is the best result of my career and it's the loss that hurts the most. I mean, oh. that juxtaposition is so stark in tennis. She's had a brilliant week and yet she's left feeling with this horrible feeling in her stomach. And I just thought that was just a look at what tennis can can be like. You know, there's, it, it, it's tough. How about the story of Anastasia Pavlyuchenkova, though, who finally, after, after seven failed attempts at the quarterfinal stage, has reached a Grand Slam semi-final. And that's... That's seven attempts just in singles, isn't it? She's she's had plenty more in in doubles as well, and and always fallen at the quarterfinal stage there too. That's a heck of a story from Pavlyuchenkova. She's completely changed her own narrative because yeah. she was the underachiever. She was the quote perennial Grand Slam quarterfinalist. That is what people of this parish called her ahead of her match against Sabalenka, which we were pitching as a banana skin for Sabalenka, and it absolutely was as it transpired. And she's she's just changed her story today. It could so easily just, but for a couple of points, 
have been, you know, same old thing for Pavlyuchenko. And it, it wouldn't have changed much. Nobody we've got would have said, God, that's a terrible loss for her. She should be winning that. It wouldn't have altered how people viewed her negatively. Mm. But yeah. what she's done I today it would be completely well. alters it for the for the positive. Yeah, I, I very much expected Rebecca to end up winning because she didn't have all the, the mental scar tissue. And I, I regard that win for Pavlochenkova as one of the achievements of the tennis year. And I think it will remain that regardless of whether she goes any further, regardless of what else happens. Because just on a personal level, I, I can't imagine what that must be like to get to the brink of something that many times, not get over the line and be faced with it again, to look it, look down the barrel at, at what's happened so many times before and not gone right, and and to to still get over the line. I think that is a magnificent achievement for her. Just on a personal level, I'm really really chuffed for her and really impressed with it because I I'm sure I would bottle it. <laughs> Amazing. Both Pavlyuchenkova and and Zidanecek today spoke about the importance of having a sports psychologist in their team. Oh. You know, teams are very limited at the moment, and yet Zidanecek has travelled with her sports psychologist. And I think, I think Pavlyuchenkova understands her own game and how to use it. I think better than better than ever. She said she's had some runs to quarterfinals in the past where people have been telling her that she's a really dangerous opponent and she belongs there but she's never really felt it you know she's not left those weeks feeling good about her game or feeling confident about her game but I think now she really does she she understands how to deploy what she's got she feels more in control on the court and goodness me she has beaten some some incredible players en route to this semi-final you know Sabalenka Azarenka Rybakina, those are heavy, heavy hitters, and she has gone toe to toe with them and and come out on top. Gosh, it's it, it's an incredibly impressive run, especially as you say, in light of all the all the near misses in the past. One of Zidanecek and Pavlichenkova is going to be a Grand Slam finalist. An extraordinary wow. story, and mm. now that, that hadn't really dawned on me. To yeah, be and now now Pavlichenkova and Rybakina will team up in the women's doubles quarterfinals tomorrow. Mm. Goodness. Mm. By the way, do you know, one thing that has occurred to me about Pavlichenkova is that she used to be regarded as one of the biggest hitters in the sport 10 years ago. I mean, she still hits a big ball, don't get me wrong, but you've just reeled off some of the players she's beaten. And it, and it occurred to me that um, Jim Courier and Mats Philander once had a had a chat, I think maybe in commentary or broadcasting or something. I don't think it was off off air. And they were talking about how they they reached a stage in their careers when they found themselves up against somebody who suddenly hit harder than themselves and that it was a, a shock to the system. But they found another way on on that day to win and how satisfying it was. And in Courier's case, he said, I played Marat Safin in the Davis Cup when he was sort of 19 and he was and I'm supposed to be this big hitting baseline and he he was knocking me off the court and I ended up slicing dicing him for an hour and ended up getting a comeback and he remembers it very fondly as a result and I I suspect Pavlichenko has just added elements to a game and as you said 
understands her own game so much that she was she's found a way around these players because she can't necessarily go through them. Mm-hmm. And it's a it's a very different challenge against Zidanecek, you know, who is someone who has power but isn't all about power and actually and, mm. and actually says that one of her tactics is to confuse her opponents. And, wow, you know, she, she's, she's a real thinker and a tactician on the court and it's just, just going to be a totally different match for Pavlyuchenkova than the ones she's had recently. Mm. Just uh, just going back to the mental coaches, there were some tremendous gifts and clips during the round of Zidanecek's mental coach, whose name I'm afraid I I, I don't I don't know. Doing the mark of the cross, mm. sort of every t- <laughs> every time she hit an ace yeah. or saved a break point, it, it was just it, tremendous. Mm. He was. Yeah. All that mental coaching, but sometimes yeah. you just yeah, need yeah. a higher power. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Pavlyuchenkova and um, Rabatkina will team up in the women's doubles quarterfinals tomorrow. Uh, we had two women's doubles quarterfinals today, and they were won by Barbora Krajikova and Katerina Siniakova over the Pliskova sisters. So it will be Krachikova and Siniakova against Bethany Matek-Sands and Iga Sviontek. Oh, when's that In on? the women's doubles semifinals. Uh, I oh, think, that? David, that it'll be Thursday. Okay. Uh, Matek-Sands and Sviontek beat Jurak and Klipach today, three and two. So Sviontek's still on for the double. Krachikova, I think, is still on for the triple. No, they lost. In oh, the, they lost in the mixed balls. Mm. <laughs> okay, well, they're both still on for the double. Then yes. that's a it's a cleaner stat. Okay, fine. <laughs> uh, incidentally, in, in still on for the mixed is Aslan Karatsev of unexpected doubles success. Yeah, with Alina Vesnina, who who hit him in the back with a serve today. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Every, everything about target. that is unexpected. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of back there mm. to hit. Did you get a couple in the calves as well? <laughs> For some reason, it just it really surprised me that Aslan Karatsev is playing doubles. I don't know. Everything bl- about Aslan Karatsev surprises <laughs> yeah. me. Yeah. She's running that doubles team, isn't she? Yeah, I I, I would have thought so. Uh, they will play... Uh, Desiree Kravchik and Joe Salisbury in the mixed doubles final. They got a walkover today. Juliana Olmos and one Sebastian Cabal um, withdrew ahead of that semi-final. So that'll be the mixed doubles final. In terms of the men's doubles quarterfinals, we had two of those today. Uh, Juan Sebastian Cabal, Robert Farah. They won through against Kevin Kravitz and Horia Takao, 7-5 in the third. And, oh, the fairy tale is on. Pierre Rugebert, Nicolas Maou, 7-6-6-1 today in their quarterfinal over. Uh, Tomislav Brukic, struggling with the lack of vowels in that name. It's it's very, uh, it's difficult for, um, for a lowly English person to pronounce. And Nicola Kacic. Uh, so Pierre Rugebert and Nicola Mau are through. Um, Matt, can I announce your big news? 
<laughs> re please do this is the best thing that's ever been said about me but i must say i don't see it but well i'm, I'm, I'm happy about it i'm sat watching medvedev sits a pass with my parents tonight struggling to hide my disappointment um my dad has clearly lost interest altogether because out of nowhere he says do you see the resemblance kathy between uh matt and pierre rugebert <laughs> What and was I, your answer? I didn't. I didn't commit either way. I didn't. I mean, I've never seen him in the same room. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've bought you the shirt now as well. So, mm. Mm. yeah. Anyway, he 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 stated it several times. He's committed to it, Matt. I think he's on something. Mm. All, all I can say is thank you. Mm. So, how about tomorrow then? Court Philippe Chatrier, Coco Goff against Barbara Krejcikova. Then it's Maria Sakkari up against Iga Svantec. Then it's Rafael Nadal against Diego Schwartzman. And then in the night session, the final night session match of the tournament and the only one that will feature a crowd, it'll be Novak Djokovic against Matteo Berrettini. Um, which of those matches is most likely to feature an upset? Of the four, will, what's will the anyone upset result in Goff Krejcikova? Or is that well, seedings wise, it, it's Krejcikova because Goff is the twenty fourth seed and Krejcikova is unseeded. Probably that one, then I would say. I think Goff will win. Just mm. I think I'm. I think if I had to predict that, I would go Goff. But I think that's the most likely. I mean, yeah, you've got you've got the you've got two of the big three there, and you've got. Igor Sviantec, the defending mm. champion, beating everyone. I mean, I'm interested to see if Maria Sakkari could have a have a good day, what that would end up looking like, because I think she is dangerous. I still think Sviantec's a, just a better player. I mean, she's better than everybody in the draw um, on the surface. Mm. But I think, she, I think Sakkari, if she came out firing, you know, it only takes Sviantec to be just off a bit to, for it to be very close. Mm. We've seen her off a bit, though, and she still wins in straight sets. <laughs> yeah, I don't. She's. I, don't, I rarely. I never think she's that off. Though, to be honest, she's. Just I mean, not, her, I mean, yeah. I thought her fore, forehand was pretty wayward the other night against Kostyuk. When was that? That was last night, wasn't it? Goodness me, it's been a long day. <laughs> um, I thought that was not a great night for Shuntek, and she won three and four. I think that night match could be good. In, mm. with yeah. a crowd you know and, and if Berrettini has a has gets into it mm. I think he could make it close-ish he can he can wow there we go. <laughs> get the people tuning in David I think it could be one set all before Djokovic accelerates away right that, okay that unexpectedly starts an hour earlier tomorrow in fact the whole day has shifted yes. an hour earlier why is it is that i don't know is it because there's still a curfew but it's a much later curfew yes i believe there is still a curfew so the curfew is two hours later so hang on it has been possible all along to move the night sessions forward well it's certainly a good idea (laughs) is that always the plan i wonder this time slot i don't know but my mind is blown There we go. Anyway, it's a good idea. So that is your tennis tomorrow. 
to look forward to. Uh, we'll be back with another tennis podcast, of course. I just wanted to flag one last thing. We we don't have time to to deep dive on it now, although I'm sure we will at another stage. The most extraordinary article uh, dropped today by a, a first person piece by Taylor Townsend on uh, the Players Tribune website. It is, I mean, it's it's a it's a sort of at time it's a harrowing uplifting startling um account of her career from infancy until now and she is an interesting well fascinating woman whose story is brilliantly told in the first person and and needs to be heard i think i would urge everybody it's very long so carve out some time in your day but I would urge everybody to take the time to try and read that because it is it's astonishing really it's an astonishing account of her career so I just wanted to flag that um mm. I think you've put that in the newsletter haven't you Matt uh, a link to that uh, I haven't had a chance to read it yet but yeah I really I must read it mm. yeah it completely stopped me in my tracks it is yep. beautifully written powerful important on race on body image on tennis's relationship with those topics it is essential reading and it's mm. stop yeah. this podcast and go and read it <laughs> <laughs> yeah let's uh, let's wrap this thing up let's uh apologize <laughs> to our mascots first and foremost all three of us uh, picked duds today. We're at the stage. We're, so close. we're at the stage of the. We were mm. all close, David, because all the matches were so close yeah, that we true. picked. Um, yeah, we're at the stage of the tournament where uh, we pick scores as well as winners, uh, and that presented difficulties for all of us today. So apologies to Zeus, Scouse or Mousel, and Rogue. We ride again tomorrow. Um, Billy Jean is alongside me. She says a big, tired hello to Billie Jean King. Um, Phoebe is our lovely corgi mascot for the tournament. Hello, Phoebe. And Lucci, of course, as well, posthumously. Um, and we have Chris Albert-Lee, who's our executive producer. And we have shout-outs, Matt. Who are they for? They are for Alec Mills. Right, Alec. Hello, Alec. A little like bit like Alan Mills. I was going to say the same thing. Who, If you remember, Catherine, we sat and adjudicated our end-of-season awards with once, didn't we? I do. I do remember He was lovely. It. He was very lovely. Yeah. There we go. I did a tennis-related tennis uh, name <laughs> comparison for once. Well done, me. Thanks, Alan. Thank you. No, Alec. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Thanks, Alec. <laughs> We've got Richard Clark. Hello, Richard. Richard. You used to get all my school shoes from Clark's. Same. <laughs> hmm. Classic. Very reliable. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Solid. You just, you know what you're getting. My best mate's Richard. What can I say? Mm. Uh, I quite like Richard Clark. So cheers, Richard. Thank you very much, Richard. And last one today is Rosie Fine. Oh, hello. Oh. Rosie, Hello, Rosie, Rosie. So Billie Jean is by my left elbow, and Rosie is by my left foot. And uh, and, and they've been ad adopting the sort of roles of Billie Jean as Medvedev, trying to harass 
Mm. Rosie Sitsipas today. We've seen video evidence of it. And Rosie, like Sitsipas, wasn't rising to it. No. Uh, and <laughs> thank you, Rosie, for your support. Yes. Thank you, Rosie Fine, for your support. That is a glorious name. Uh, thank you for listening. Subscribe to your newsletter. To, to, no, to subscribe to our newsletter, please. Um, <laughs> and your own, if you have one of those too. But most importantly, subscribe to ours. Um, and there's a cracking sort of Pavlyuchenkary flavoured stat in there today. It's It's sensational. It's worth subscribing for that alone. But there's an awful lot of other great stuff in there as well. Um, follow us on Twitter Hannah is just doing a marvellous job Uh, tell your friends leave us an Apple podcast review keep listening and we'll speak to you tomorrow normally being a little extra can be a bit much but when it comes to healthcare it pays to be extra And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.